feel somewhat like the man who invited his mule to go to the Kentucky Derby. Made all the papers there, and he said, well, this mule, uh, I'm sure won't win the Kentucky Derby, but he'll, he'll be in some good company. I've been in good company today, sandwiched between two great gospel preachers, the Bobby Duncan brother in Christ and kinfolk will still let you wonder about the uncle or nephew and brother Roy Lanier Jr dear friend and brother in the faith I appreciated the lessons all today the benefit and the privilege of being with you has just been a wonderful treat indeed oh a great deal to the month of church the influence it has had on my life friends and associations that I have here have been of benefit to me wherever I've been and places, parts unknown, as you well noticed, and the things that were said about me earlier. I appreciate the good work that Brother Eddie Gilpin is doing here, and I see that from just a few miles up the road, but I also follow his work and seeing the good things that are being said about him and the outstanding growth that he is uh, undergoing with the church here and the progress that is being made. You have a fine group of elders. The Munford Church stands as a shining light, not only to this community, but throughout the area. And we appreciate you for your work's sake. My lesson tonight has to do with back to the Bible for a look at the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, we read, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. A look at the Lord has to do with looking to the end of our faith, the completion, the author, the perfection of all that might be in Christ Jesus. Figures of speech are quite often used in the text of the Bible. I was interested in noticing, and it's good to see Brother Curtis Cates here tonight, in one of the old teacher's annual commentaries, a group of lessons that Brother Curtis Cates wrote in there concerning figures of speech. He dealt with metaphors and similes and the like found throughout the Bible. And the Bible is is certainly uh, holding great truths that are taught by this type study. The figure of speech study is used quite often in referring to the Christian life, in referring to it as being a battle that we have against sin, the warfare, such as is in reference in uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3, we are soldiers of that warfare. And we have to put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6 and verse 11. 
Also, there is the type of study that deals with us being as slaves or servants. In fact, in Romans 1 and verse 1, Titus 1 and verse 1, Philippians 1 and verse 1, Paul refers to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Servants and slaves, bond servants we are, following after the will of the Lord. Jesus refers to his followers as being salt of the earth and light of the world. Thus, these figures of speech have been a tremendous blessing to us. Peter calls Christians babes in Christ and also refers to us as being living stones, living stones in that spiritual temple of the church, building of the church, living stones as the body of Christ. Paul, in particular, uses figures of speech quite often in his studies, and in this study he quite often refers to us as being in a race. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, he said, Know ye not that they who run in a race run all, but one receiveth the crown, or the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Or in Galatians 5 and verse 7, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Or in Philippians 2 and verse 6, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain. Thus also in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, Paul uses, or the Hebrew writer, and most think Paul, uses this same figure of speech as we are running a race. There is the event itself, the encouragement to run, the encumbrances to the running, the example of which to follow, the end goal of running, and the final exhortation in that running. But let's notice first the event in running the race. It might be referred to as the start of the race. So many people never began their walk as a Christian. They began to run the race outside the track and thus have no benefit or reward for having run the race, though they might outrun the runner on the outside of the track all the way around. They still do not receive the prize because they are not in the race. They're not in the event of serving the Lord. And to which Paul gives this address, let us run. Notice that he includes himself in this passage. In fact, he uses the let us idea at least three times in three verses right here in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us, including himself, he was involved in living the same life he was encouraging them to do. He is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's run together. Let's work together. The word race in the Greek comes from that word argoni, or argona, or argon, which has reference to the idea that we get the word agony. It is an agonizing endeavor that is involved here. We must race, we must run in order to win. We must be in the race. This is not a passive luxury, but it is a demanding, sometimes grueling, and agonizing effort that requires the utmost 
of self-discipline, determination, and perseverance. We're talking about something that is for us to do and not for us to simply sit by the sidelines. We're not the cloud of witnesses in this race. We are the participants. We are actively involved. We are those who are carrying the load of Christianity in our lives. Jesus warns Israel, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. For God warns Israel in Amos 6 and verse 1. We are to run with patience. Patience. Endurance is one of the translations that is given here. The idea of a steady determination. This is not a sprint race that we're involved in. Here is a marathon, an endless, it seems, race, continuing, ongoing, every day of our lives and every year of our lives. A lifetime of living, serving the Lord. We are to patiently run. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so I fight, I, not as one that beateth the air. Here's the sprint idea. We'll run for a 50-yard, then let it go. No, not just beating the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway by our patience, our patience of hope in Jesus Christ. And that hope is because of a simple trusting faith that endures us over the obstacles and the turmoil that might come in the life that we live. We look to Jesus keeping our eye fixed upon that goal and saying that we're not only going to start, but we're starting to finish. We're going to run the race to run it. And we're going to be there involved when the going gets tough. I never will forget the day I was baptized. Maybe you are reminded right now, just as I say that, of the day that you was baptized. There's a good old brother come up to me and he put his arm around me, and I was just a boy of 11 years old. He said, son, I want to tell you something. Don't ever be surprised of some things that might happen in the church of our Lord. But you just remember this. You've got to be faithful in order to go to heaven. I remembered that. It's helped me untold times in my lifetime. I'd advise you to tell that to your children as they obey the gospel. And to every new convert to the gospel of Christ. Because there's going to be tough times. Running a race, a marathon, is not an easy proposition. Here's the event. And we must start. We must be involved in it. But secondly, we must have encouragement to run. The Hebrew writer goes on to say, We are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses. Think of the grandstand. Here is the stand that is before us. We see such people who have lived faithful unto the Lord in the days of old. Who are they? Well, it's Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Samson, and others are listed in the heroes of faith of chapter 11. But each of these heroes are looking to Jesus. Now I want to go back over those just a little bit in Hebrews chapter 11 and notice some things. Look at Abel, for example. Who do we see in Abel? We see a man who is willing to worship God and to do what God commands for him to do in worship, and he is a man of sacrifice. But what is he looking to? He's pointing to the fact that there will be a sacrifice for our sins. He's looking to Jesus. In the sacrifice of obedience of Abel, he is remembering the sins of his own, but he's also reminded of redemption that will come. Then there's Noah or Enoch. Enoch is a man who desired to please God all the days of his life. How he points to the fact that we each need to desire to please God all the days of our life so that we might look to Jesus. We see Enoch as one of the heroes of faith. Then there is Noah. Noah is a man who is moved with godly fear. Oh, he's not scared. It's not that kind of fear. But here's a man of reverence and respect and awe and a man who is wanting to do what God says, and he's going to obey God to the building of an ark, to the saving of his house, but he is also a man who is preserving life, pointing to the Savior that will redeem the world. And had Noah not saved his family, the lineage of promise that God gave would never have come to pass. Then there was Abraham. Abraham is a man who is described in Hebrews 11 as one who obeyed God. Did Jesus obey the Father? Do we see a point of Jesus in the obedience of Abraham in leaving his father's house and going to a place where God would show him? And we see a man who sojourns in this life and he is living in tents. The Son of Man hath not place to lay his head. Abraham is a Bedouin as he would journey throughout the valleys of Canaan and there would make his livelihood, his life, looking to the point of Jesus. And the seed promised through Abraham and Sarah is mentioned here. And notice that Sarah is one who is noticed in the heroes of faith as in judging God faithful in his promise. That seed promise is given. Through Sarah, God is believed and Jesus answers the promises of God that God has made for the hope of Israel and that bright and morning star that is born in Bethlehem. Isaac, in blessing his children, Jacob and Esau, he blesses his children and then as a very old age, as he props up on a crutch, he blesses the children of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And in blessing them, he is noticing the seed that would come to Israel, whereby redemption would be offered, looking to Jesus in that hope of Israel. And so the seed promise is promised through 
Isaac laying his hands upon Jacob and Esau and Ephraim and Manasseh. And then there is the promise that is given by Moses. Moses. It is said in Hebrews chapter 11, and it seems almost a typographical error at first. We think, well, inspiration's not really thinking right here, but it says that Moses, in forsaking Egypt, esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasuries of Egypt. Moses was thinking about the promise, looking to Jesus and the hope that he had. Then in verse 27, as if we have not fully understood, it says, For in his seeing, him who is invisible. There's the mind's eye, with perhaps little or no teaching, seemingly given through Moses at the time, but he knew of the promised seed that God would raise in Jesus Christ. The onlookers of the cloud of witnesses are not wanting us to fail in our life as a Christian. These are winners, this cloud of witness. These are people who have lived the life and have been faithful in their life and have been dedicated in life even unto the end. They are those who have loved the truth and they want us to succeed. The best way I can compare that is when that little baby that we brought into the world begins to walk. And we'll say, come to daddy. May hold out a little bit of car keys or something that jingles in front and say, look at daddy. Come to daddy. And we thrill that they're taking the first step. But then they fall. Say, well, that's not so bad. Get up. Let's try again. We try again. Well, I think of the cloud of witnesses of those who are wanting us to try again and try again and as we fail to get up again and go again and to be faithful and endeavoring to win the race that is set before us. But not only is there the encouragement that comes from the cloud of witnesses as we see them in their lives of faith looking to Jesus, but there are also the encumbrances that hinder us from living and looking toward Jesus. It's the struggle in Christianity, quite often overlooked in the life of the young Christian. It is the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. The former life, perhaps, of the life of one who has come out of a world of sin and is tempted in his old practices of sin and wrongdoing. To these Hebrew brethren, it might have been the old law of Moses, as perhaps they would walk by the temple and see the, the uh, uh, majesty of such a structure, and they would smell the sacrifice and remember the wonderful times that they had been inside the temple and there worshiped God. And now to know that temple is within them but they don't see a great deal. They forget some of the things that are in, involved, the weight and the, be, and the part of them that has been a part of all life and serving sin, living under the law, 
is reminded to them again and again. I think of the ceremony that must have been throughout the streets of Jerusalem and other such cities as they would there see the ceremonies being engaged and remembering that they are no longer a part of the law, that they are now worshiping under the law of Christ. But they don't see a great deal of this law, thus they might become discouraged, the weight, sin that might beset. Sin entangles us in a form of life. It has a way, those things that we were practicing before becoming Christian has more of an allurement to us than perhaps those new things that might be involved in the lives of others. Oh, the former life of sin is a practice that may be engaged again and is a stronger temptation, as we have already noticed. The Christian can stumble and fall back and is running the race that is before him. We should ever want to put off the old weights and the sin which does so easily beset us. No runner can run well overweight and carrying extra load. But also notice, in looking to Jesus, there is that example. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In running, where you look is important. Coaches will tell us, don't look at your feet. Fix your mind on where you're going. Don't look at your opponents. Don't let them disturb you in your running. Don't even allow the crowd booing or cheering to make you think that you're all right. You fix your mind on the goal that is before us. If we pay too much attention to our feet or the opponents or the crowd, then we can be thrown off stride and lose our balance or slow us down in our task. We often spend too much time in our lives as Christians in thinking, how do I look? Well, let me see. Well, now make sure that ever, the lapels are straight and the tie is straight and, and all things are looking well. Now, I want to make sure that my brethren see me in living a Christian life and I'm looking good. Well, maybe in doing so, we're losing sight of our goal. What are we trying to do in our life? How are we trying to live in our life? Is it to follow after Jesus, or is it simply to look good by those about us? If we focus in on Jesus, because he is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith, then we'll have little problem in the way that we look the author. He is a part of our beginning. John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was with God in the beginning. Genesis 1 describes, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. What is involved here? It is the blessing of trying and giving to mankind that focus of the Word of God, the Logos of God, John 1, the Word of God made flesh, God's spokesman to man. 
Every time Genesis 1 says, God said, it's focusing again on the principle of Jesus being a part of creation. God said, mentioned again and again in Genesis chapter 1, thus giving emphasis to the fact that God said the Word of God was a part of our very beginning. He is the author of our faith. And the fact that God said is the very principle of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So God said is a part of faith. We hear by the Word of God. And it's back to the Bible for a look at the Lord and what God said through the Word. Jesus becomes the principle of God's message to mankind. He is an example of our faith. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. Jesus would not bypass the Father and the Father's will to do just good. He would not bypass the Father's will to bypass the temptations of sin. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus would not bypass food. He would not bypass fortune. He would not bypass fame in order to attain those things that he would like, but his desire was to do the will of the Father. Those things that were written were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Jesus said in John 5 and verse 30, Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, Jesus said to his Father, Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will be done. Matthew 26 and 39. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. That is, he is the one who carries through to the completion and thus gives us the motto and the moral and the stamina of keeping on and doing the will of the Father in this Christian race one who continues to trust in the Father, he could say at the close of his life, it is finished. In John 19, in verse 30, the world has always mocked man's faith. The world has always taken advantage where it could of trying man's faith. And just so they did to Jesus at the time of his crucifixion. They mocked him they said he trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he, ha if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God, Matthew 27 and 43. But he endured the cross, despised the shame. It's good to see the cloud of witnesses, but it's far greater to see the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
But then there's the end of the race. The joy set before him. And he has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In the ancient Ithmian race of Greece, there was a pedestal that stood at the end of the race. On that pedestal, there was a plaited wreath that was there given to the winner of the race. Much like the race that is so described in Hebrews 12, this wreath was given to the winner. No one runs without expecting reward. Now that reward may be, in the marathons of today, a good healthy body. It may be that they have the personal satisfaction of being faster than others who win in the race, in other races. It may be that there is a prize of money or a trophy that might be given to those who would win the race. But whatever it may be, there is a prize in the running. Jesus knew what the prize was in running the Christian race. The joy set before him. What is it to live the Christian life? It's a joy. Hard to describe to those who are in sin. You mean to tell me the suffering that our Savior had upon the cross provides joy? Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross? There's joy that comes to us as Christians. John 17, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to me do. And now, O Father, glorify thy me with thine own self, which I had with thee before the world was. He knew of a glorification that would come to his life. Then I'm reminded of a passage found in Matthew 25, 23. When the Lord will say to his own, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That joy is known by the Lord himself. And as we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he has a joy that is set before him and he knows that joy is awaiting us. The Apostle Paul concluded his life saying, I fought a good fight and I finished the course and I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day and not to me only, but to all who love his appearing. And so there is the end of the race, the trophy that is set before us. And then a final exhortation is given as we notice these few verses. Paul, can, or the Hebrew writer says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That exhortation says, when you get weary in the race of a Christian, Look to Jesus. 
Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When others run off track and sidestep and outside the race and they complain and they grumble and they tell all kinds of things that might need to be told in the ways of sin or distraction or temptation, keep your mind on the goal of the soul's true abode. Keep your eye on the Savior. A song that's not in our book, one that you're familiar. And as much as you know that I like to sing, couldn't help but think of the song. Looking to thee from day to day, trusting thy grace along the way, knowing that thou wilt safely keep all that is thine, Sure of thy soul's redeeming love, sure of a crown of life above, singing thy praise, I press along, looking to thee. Looking to thee for all I need, finding in thee a friend indeed. All of the burdens of the day meekly I'll bear. Neither the foe nor storm I fear. Savior divine, thou art near. Ready my cares and troubles all freely to share. After a while, heaven's light, where there is neither sin nor night, I shall behold thee face to face, Jesus my own. Then with the saved ones gone before, I shall with rapture more and more praise thee forever near that bright, beautiful throne. Look into thee. Trusting thy grace, I'm as happy as a true soldier can be during my own heavenly place. Trusting thy love, I press along, looking 